I would also like to talk about Woke Baby. Oh, did you what? just... What? Uh, what did I put? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, there's your intro. <laughs> have you have you not heard that sweet, sweet sound of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm going to go... <laughs> on the WB. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say I've never heard that theme song... If that's what that was. You've never listened to it on a Canadian broadcasting channel. No. CWB? What? Wait, that's not... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> it's the Canadian WARD <laughs> channel. <laughs> Why does channel start with a B? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, different, can- but in Canada they have a different theme song for every one of them. Oh, give every every show, me, every show from the '90s and the early 2000s. Give me one, and I'll tell you what the Canadian theme song for it is. X Files. X Files, the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> King of the Wild Frontier. Oh, they uh, they had one for Davy Crockett. Oh, yeah, okay, do that. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier Vampire Hunter. Is everyone a vampire hunter in Canada? Sometimes they're a vampire slayer. Oh, I get it, there's a difference. Yeah, one's a... Bonjour, and welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John, connected via Skype. Thanks, Internet. And don't you mean your name is Ari? What, because I use French to introduce myself? I have to use, like, a French nom de plume? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just like French class. Oh, where everybody gets assigned a weird French name, but if your name didn't translate, you you were like Pierre by default. Yeah, there was uh there was a girl in my French class named Brandy. And they yeah. just called her I think Mimi. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say they just called her Meat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the French translation of Brandy is of course meat. I had a whole spiel planned out for the beginning of this episode, and you threw me off with the French thing. Okay, did you uh, did you want to go back to that? Yeah, sure, I sure. Let, let's just uh, let's just plow ahead. All right. Um, I'm gonna roll it back and edit it back in. All right. Wait, I think a plane's passing. I don't know if you can hear that. I actually can. Do you live under a plane? I don't live under a plane all the time, but sometimes there are planes over me. Yes. Uh, I think that checks out. Alright, so these are some some weird times that we live in, John. Would you agree? I would wholeheartedly agree. I mean, there's crazy things happening every day. One right day you are. One day we got, like, what, 2.5 to 3 million women marching on Washington and mm-hmm. other places in every major city in the world? Mm-hmm. 
And the next day we got like, I don't know, Star Wars The Last Jedi is announced. I mean, I think these things are big enough that we should probably tackle them one at a time. Yeah, I was just putting the whole range and spectrum on it, almost like we're kind of previewing what we might talk about during the episode. And uh, to make that prophecy come true, manifest destiny, uh, I guess we should start talking about uh, the pertinent issues. Uh, I went to go get an eye exam today. An eye exam? You you survived a visit with an optometrist? I did, barely. It took way longer than I than I thought it would. Almost my entire lunch break, you might say. Uh, how, how long were you in the waiting room? Um, I had an appointment, but I was still in the waiting room for like 30 minutes. Whoa. That, I mean, that, you know optometrist. I don't. This is the first eye exam I've had in my entire life. Wait, you didn't have... Oh, you were homeschooled! Yeah, I was homeschooled, never saw an optometrist, never saw the need, or I guess my parents never saw the need. That's crazy. We used to have them like every other year. Yeah, I think that's what the sheet she gave me said. Yeah, every other year you're supposed to get your eyes checked to see if anything's different. I haven't done it since I left elementary school. Nice. I My eyes are bad and people I love have been telling me that I need glasses, so I decided to, you know, just give it... Give it a gander now that I have insurance. <laughs> I get it. You said get it a gander because you use your eyes to gander at things and you're checking your eyes at an optometrist who famously are geese. Yeah, famously. Look at all those chickens. Walk, walk. Uh, so got my eyes checked. Uh, turns out, just to let the podcast listeners know, I know you've been on tenterhooks. Uh, my right eye is fine. Uh, my, oh, left that's eye so is, my left eye is terrible. Wait, what? You're what's wrong with it? It is it has what's called astigmatism. Oh, you're oh, you're allergic to beets. Uh it's it's true. Beet juice, beet concentrate, beet by Dre. <laughs> so wait, astigmatism, that's the one where it's kind of a a mixture of near and farsighted. Um it's it's like the things that you see they they diverge kind of, so you can't get a straight picture. And mine is just really kind of far away. Oh, okay. So what you're telling me is you want to take over the the lead role in the Divergent series. Yeah, I do. I want to be Katniss Everbright. Katniss ever can't see. Katniss never see. Yeah. Oh, Katniss never seen. That's so much better. Cataract never look. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I did not realize what went into an eye exam, much like I don't understand any medical procedure. So it was uh, it was fun. It was terrifying. They blew lasers and air into my eyes. Yeah, because they have to dilate them with the lasers, right? Well, they dilated them with terrible burning eye drops, but the lasers were to check if I had glaucoma. I mean, I guess anything's possible. But yeah, they uh, they just checked out all my eyes. Uh, really kind of... You ever seen Blade Runner? I have seen Blade Runner, uh, but not the original. I saw the director's cut. And that's fine, uh, as long as you lose the voiceover. Exactly, it didn't have any voiceover. But you know the uh, the Voigt-Kampf test? Yeah, the, the thing that I famously always call the Turing test. Yeah, that one. 
Uh, they, it, it wasn't that. They weren't asking me questions about a turtle on its back. But it was oddly similar in that I was in a dim room doing things I didn't fully understand. For example, uh, they had me look into a big, expensive, um, what do you call it, machine <laughs> with a little tiny eye peephole on it. And yeah. when I looked in it, I saw a um, painting of a barn. And what did they want you to see in the barn? They just told me to keep looking at the barn and not to squint, and then they kept making it go in and out of focus and shake. Oh, that's interesting. Did they do the thing where they, did they ask you, you know, what looks better, option one or option two? Oh yeah, they did, and it was funny because that through the whole process I was like, well, none of these look better than the way I can see normally. Well... I thought that for right eye. When they switched it over to left eye, left eye's got problems. Man, left eye's just the bad seed that's ruining the apples of your eyes. I mean, right eye was like, I can read all the way to the bottom of this chart. Left eye's like, I can barely read the first line. Isn't it weird? Because you're reading the same chart both times. You could just cheat. You could, but... That does no good. It's not a test like that. <laughs> You're like, I gotta pass. How am I gonna get into iGrad school? I mean, look, iGrad school's very competitive, and they don't take anyone who can't see 2020. They, they really don't. It's a shame. It's hard to make the, the 2020 mark. Most people are like 16, 6... Yes, the, the infamous 16-6. Not to be confused with the infamous 1666, which is, of course, the year of the devil. And also the eyesight of the beast. It's true. Uh, he, he's got really weird vision in one of his eyes. Speaking of one of his eyes, they gave me my prescription. Uh, wait, like, a medicine? Well, prescription lenses. Oh, okay, they gave you, like, the, the numbers or whatever? Yeah, they gave me the numbers for how corrective my lenses need to be, and I didn't realize how many different things there were about eyes. Because she's like, your left eye and your right eye, they see very well. Like, we're not going up or down in steps of whole numbers, we're going up and down in steps of fractions. So, your eyesight is fine. These are the words she said. Your eyesight is fine, but your ability to see out of your left eye is pretty bad. What's the difference between eyesight and your ability to see out of one of your eyes? I have no idea. But all I know and is that my eyes are roughly the same, but I have, um, like an offset lens for my astigmatism in my left eye. Now, I have a, I have a question that I'm sure our listeners are, are probably dying for me to ask. Uh, have you watched any more of Anne's series of unfortunate events? I've seen two episodes now. Okay, well, hold on to your, uh, glasses. Oh, I have something to hold on to now. Yeah, because I don't want to give anything away, but there is an eye doctor in one of the later episodes. Oh, wow. And I, I think, I think seeing that will change your entire perception of what you went through. 
I feel like I finally have the tools necessary to understand optometrist humor. Is there such a thing? Oh yeah, bunch of uh, bunch of newsletters about it. But, but those <laughs> those famous optometrist comedy newsletters. Yeah, uh, there's one in uh, the New York Times. T dash. E-Y-E-M-S. Right. How could I forget that, that very eye-centric piece of literature that comes out every week? Well, I don't think it's eccentric. I think it's pretty erudite. Or erudite. Or argyle? That's a sweater joke because I don't know anything about eyes. But they gave me my prescription, and it was a bunch of numbers, and I noticed that it was next to the letters O-D and O-S. Okay. So I said, fool that I am, what does that stand for? And she was like, oh, that's your right eye, and that's your left eye. And I said, but it says O-D and O-S. And she says, yeah, I don't know why it says that. This was not the optometrist. This was the person who was, like, checking me out with my insurance. Okay. So, I, I googled what that meant. Yes. Turns out they're the Latin names of your eyes because your eyes have have different names for the side of your face. Is the S, does the S stand for sinister? It does. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got that. The Wait, uh, it, wait and your left eye is terrible. It's literally sinister. It really is. And the the two the two names of your eyes sound like incredible supervillains because they're Oculus Dexter and Oculus Sinister. Yeah, they sound like like brothers that one of them's good and one of them's kind of evil and they have to like battle it out using science and I don't know, religion. Or eyes. There aren't many eye-based superheroes. Sure there is. Cyclops. Superman. Dr. Octopus. Hey, octopuses have two eyes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Spider-Man, because he's got eight eyes. Oh man, you remember that classic Spider-Man theme song? Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's a man with eight eyes. Look out, guys, for his eyes. Look out. He's got a bunch of eyes. Yeah, he had the superpower to have eight eyes and freak everybody out and to not do him crime anymore. That's where his spidey senses came from. Yeah, because he can literally see in every direction as long as it's one of the eight directions his eyes are looking at. They did make me, uh... They made me look in a bunch of different directions when I was oh, the, at the other doctors. The optometrist who were, like, experimenting on you to give you supervision? Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard the entire uh, theme song to Spider-Man? I- I've heard a-, a bit of it but from the old cartoon. It's uh, It's the best. I'll read yeah. it to you. Okay, read it to me. I will be regaled. We all know the stanza where he does whatever a spider can and catches these just like flies. Yeah. We know that one. But did you know, is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. He can swing from a thread. Take a look. 
overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Wealth and fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward. To him, life is a great big bang-up. Whenever there's a hang-up, you'll find the Spider-Man. I have several questions. Yes. So, radioactive blood apparently gives you strength? Yeah, is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Yeah, and he can swing from a thread. Uh, yeah, yeah. look out overhead, I got that. Alright, so in the next, I guess, stanza, if we're going to call this a verse, what have you, yeah. uh, he arrives at the scene of the crime just on time, but he doesn't do anything? Uh, like a streak of light, he arrives, but he he doesn't do much more. But action is his reward. Because fame and fortune, he's ignored. Okay, I, I got that. So, uh, if he arrives at the scene of the crime just in time, but then there's no details about what he's what he does, who's to say he's not stealing from people? Listen, to him, life is a great big bang up. I don't know what that means, but it sounds. It sounds obscene in nature. Hey, is there a hang-up? Wait, no, we're still we're still on the line. This this theme song actually paints him as kind of a villain. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. The last two lines say, "Whenever there's a hang-up, you'll find the Spider-Man." So yeah, whenever he's hanging something up, I don't know, holding people up and stealing their valuables, he's there. Okay, I think this song would actually work a little bit better if we, in, in, it might be too good of a fit. You know, you know what they say, like, if a connection's too clean of a fit, it's unintentional. Or it's just too on the nose. So, I'm just gonna rework this from a criminal angle and see if it makes sense. Alright, uh, do you want me to stall, or are you gonna do it on the fly? I'll, I'll do it on the fly. <laughs> just, Spider joke. Uh, criminal, criminal. Does whatever a criminal can. Spins a web any size. Catches thieves. Just kidding, there's friends. Look out. Here comes the criminal. That's so, so far so good. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got law-breaking blood. He can swing from a thread. Take a look overhead. Look out. There goes the criminal. Wait, what if, what if it was, he can swing from a thread? What, what's the next line? Uh, take a look overhead. Oh, take a look, now you're dead. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, cause he's, he, you know, he's a criminal, he might be a murderer too, you know? We don't know where the line's being drawn. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives to do crime. Oh, yeah, okay, that, that, that works. Spider-Man. What shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, criminal. His name's criminal now. Criminal. Criminal. Unfriendly neighborhood criminal. Wealth and fame are his reward. Action is also his reward. Perfect. Don't change a thing. Uh, to him, life is a great big bang up. Whenever there's a hold up. Shit, it fell apart. 
Oh, oh, well, I guess we can throw out the entire idea. Uh, well, we got pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you know, we gave it a good shot. I, I guess, you know, in the end of the day, I, he's he's got to be hero, even with all of his eight eyes. Even with all those eyes, you know, not all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear four pairs of sunglasses. Or just one long visor. Is it long sideways or vertically? Well, I mean, long. Uh, I was, I was, refer- I was referring to Cyclops there, not not oh, Spider Man. Okay, because I was imagining like a big long sun visor. I mean, that's also applicable, but it wasn't what I was intending. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know what they say. What do they say? Any meaning that people derive from your work, if it was unintentional, you cannot take credit for. I think you can take credit for anything if you create a work. I think you can take credit for anything if you choose to. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, just like how you always say that you created sliced butter. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We, We all know there's no such thing as sliced butter. Have you ever thought... That it's impossible to ask someone whether they're gaslighting you or not. Yes, yes, I've actually experienced that this past weekend. Um, oh, who did you ask if they were gaslighting you? Uh, it, it wasn't that really, it was just, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend Jamie would negate something that I had just said and then kind of sing, gaslighting. <laughs> And I was like, wait, are you, are you gaslighting me? And then she kind of shrugged. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Just the, the exchange of, are you gaslighting me? Pfft, no. Right. <laughs> it's impossible to, to call somebody out on gaslighting, right? Because they're already gaslighting you. You've already been gaslit. Yeah. Although I think the term actually refers to like a complete process of making you question your, your sanity. So it's not just like a one moment thing. It's got to be like uh, over a series of of, of unfortunate, unfortunate events. events. Oh, six in the chamber, one in the bullet. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I got it. I got it uh, confused. So yeah, uh, why, why do you ask about gaslighting, John? Oh, uh, no reason. Uh, no reason at all. You're crazy. Wait, what? I'm crazy? You're crazy for believing that we're all being gaslit as a country. Oh, is that what you're trying to... Wait, but that's... That could be said... What? Hold on. That could be an apt way of of, of describing what's happening, like, with uh, the press secretary and all that. What? You're crazy. No, John, remember when, uh, that whole dumb thing about the inauguration crowd numbers? Oh, yeah, when that deranged man broke into the, <laughs> broke into the White House and started giving a press conference? Yeah, that deranged man who is the White House press secretary. <laughs> yeah, that guy. And he, he straight up lied to a crowd, and then somebody, another, one of these talking head people later, uh, said that he was using, quote, alternative facts, unquote. Was that uh, Kellyanne Conway who said that? 
That was Kellyanne Conway. Thanks for reminding me of that. Uh, yeah. Alternative facts. Man. So in a way, like, this whole process that they, they've they kind of gone through with the, the whole stupid thing about the inauguration crowd numbers, to the whole lying and not answering any questions about the press, to this presentation of this, this new phrase, alternative facts, could be described as gaslighting. It's almost as though uh, we are being lied to to our faces and expected to believe it, and some people are. And you know... I, I just have to say, I have to be thankful that people are, like, recording this, writing it down, and, like, publishing it so everyone can read it. Otherwise, I think people would actually start to believe that it's all made up and we're all insane. I mean, I think that uh, the act of political gaslighting as a tool of influence and policymaking is something that had power before the internet. And I don't think that it's something that's as valid anymore. Yeah, it's definitely like an old school trick before, like, you know, people literally had recorders or were filming things with their phone and putting it on the internet. Mm-hmm. You could get away with saying, oh, yeah, my opponent never said that or something like that. Yeah, because as long as someone wasn't, like, within uh, the a horsehair of whatever that person said, you can be like, I have plausible deniability that that never happened because I wasn't there. And it still has a certain power today. I I was talking with Jamie about this uh, a couple of days ago, but uh, a majority of people out there, they get their news from a single news source without any fact-checking or any other news sources to kind of corroborate or back things up. So if a news source knows this and they operate with that in their mind, they can totally just gaslight their readers and get them to believe something that's not true. I mean, we've been having this this phrase, um, this term thrown around a lot lately of fake news. I don't even want. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I hate it. You you hate the fake news idea or the fake news phenomenon? I hate the fake news phenomenon because there have been several headlines that have come out that I don't know whether or not is it real or is it fake. Um, I think that fake news as a phenomenon is fascinating for some terrible reasons. Primary reason is I think that we have a, a fake news epidemic right now because it took people this long to realize that people really don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. <laughs> I, I think that there was this this commonly held belief um, amongst peddlers of misinformation and half-truths, that people generally, if confronted with a lie, would not believe it. So they had to, you know, skulk and hide and, and try to cover up their their dealings. But I think that now there's essentially no reason for them to hide. They realize that, like, most people are dreadfully misinformed and will believe whatever you tell them, so there's nothing stopping you from telling a complete factual not factual a a complete literal lie yeah uh, i mean we're seeing more and more of people just sort of coming out of the woodworks to show their true colors thinking that they're they're in this weird safe haven of sorts 
Um, I, I read an article about a, a person who said we no longer have to be PC before sexually assaulting someone. Yep. Um, we, and the fake news phenomenon has it led to this weird, uh, hug box for dangerous people and dangerous ideas where people feel like there's this, uh, this kind of groundswell of information where it's, they're basically conspiracy theorists who are living this fantasy where all of their insane conspiracies are, to them, coming true. Yeah, I, I, the writing's on the wall for a lot of things. Like, we had a major conspiracy kind of confirmed during the election where the, the Democratic Party was stifling, you know, democracy by kind of pushing one candidate over another one. Another. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if one side's doing it, then the other side has to be doing things that are similar to it because, you know, they're, they're birds of a feather. I know so we don't like, like to get super political on zero credits sometimes. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's talk about video games. Have you ever played Deus Ex? I, I've played, uh, I played the, the sequel or the prequel, the, what, the one with Adam Jensen or whatever. Yeah, Human Revolution. Yeah, I played Human Revolution for like a minute, and uh, I I have not played the original Deus Ex. Um, Warren Spector, one of the people who worked on the original Deus Ex, I believe it's Warren Spector. I hope I'm not wrong, but he was saying that when they were talking about the story for the original Deus Ex, they envisioned how fascinating a world would be if every conspiracy theory was valid, and that feels like the world we're living in right now. I mean, we're not f- too far away from, like, Metal Gear... What is that? Metal Gear... That... uh Not Rising, but Revengeance or something? Yeah. What about Revengeance? Revengeance. That's... It's not a real word. It's Metal not. Gear Revengeance. Uh, the final boss... The final... The big bad guy in Metal Gear Revengeance is an American senator who has used all of his connections and powers... To basically give himself a cybernetic suit yep. and like superpowers and stuff. It's like, okay, we're living in a world where that's not in- completely insane. I I don't know what has happened to politics in the eight years where I have been asleep and relatively peaceful. But something has happened and it is terrible. I, I don't know. It's It's like, you know... It's like the, I don't, I don't mean to say this, but it's like the heroes have lost and we're living in a thousand years of darkness or something. It definitely feels like a dark middle chapter. Um, if I, I know a lot of people, uh, when the Cubs won the World Series, were saying, of course the Cubs won the World Series because it's the season finale of America. Yeah, I remember that joke going around. And I think it was actually said on this podcast at some point, but I think that Maybe at least for right now, we're living in, like, the Empire Strikes Back movie. Oh, so, like, the the dark sequel before the the final, like, light-hearted sequel to that that fixes everything? Yeah, we're, we're in a dark middle chapter, and every dark middle chapter needs a resistance. A resistance, like, I don't know, the biggest protest in U.S. history? That one, that resistance... Yeah, that happened this past weekend. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. I know a bunch of people who uh, 
who were in it. We are talking, of course, about the Women's March uh, on Washington. Washington and, and other places. Chicago, New Orleans, every major city. London. London. London, too. But it was uh, it was a bunch of women getting together, women and men and children, people who do not fall into those categories, uh, getting together to show solidarity and uh, resistance to change in their available rights, uh, which is, in my opinion, a, a pretty awesome thing that happened. Yeah, this country was sort of formed on protest and kind of fighting for rights that we didn't want to be taken away. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, I mean, if nothing else, this is just kind of continuing the American tradition of letting voices that wouldn't otherwise be heard be heard. I mean, there's that whole argument, uh, and this was going around during the protests of the Trump inauguration when they said that the destruction of property invalidates a protest. Yeah, but what about the Boston Tea Party? Indeed. You know, this stuff goes, we're talking 100 years back. It's in our blood, you know. If you're an American, destruction of property and protesting kind of go hand in hand. Look, I, in a lot of ways, these past three days have been a really hard time to be an American. But I really do love the country that I live in. I'm I'm very pro-America. I sometimes joke about us being the great Satan and all this stuff. But I really like us, and I think that the best thing about Americans is that when there comes a time that it is hard to be an American, we become extra American. Yeah, like we just kind of double down on America and try to make it a better place from the inside. You know, all the people say, oh, if so-and-so or if such-and-such happens, I'm moving to a different country. I don't think a lot of people ever do that. I think they kind of stick around, they, they, they double down. I already said double down, but like they entrench themselves in the country they live in and they try to make it a better place from the, from the inside. Because I think that, like I said, in the last three days, it's, it's been a hard time to be an American, but there are three things that make Americans more American than anything proven throughout history. Number one, a peaceful transition of power. And that did take place. That did take place. There was there was no blood. There was no revolution. It just, you know, passing of the torch. Number two, things that make Americans Americans. Uh, the right to protest and speak freely and uh, kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, propagate your rights. Yeah, the second that they ban, like, the right to gather in a group or something like that, that's the second where we're probably heading toward, you know, like the French say, revolution. And I mean, I think that Americans should have a right to, like, be in a black block and protest and block streets because it is to register disconcert it's to register concern and displeasure at things that are going on, and it's one of our most important rights. Yeah. If you take that away, well, we're not Americans. We're French. Number three thing that makes us American above all else, and this is kind of a, a recent addition to what makes us American, but I think it still applies, and that is our freedom to punch a Nazi in the face. Oh, you're referring to that that guy who got punched in the face on, on camera, on television. 
I yesterday was hard. Yesterday was a very hard day for me to be awake, but real good. <laughs> I saw something that somebody said where they were really, really excited that he got punched right when he was about to start talking about that Pepe the Frog meme or whatever. Oh my god, 2017 Jam is is a white supremacist with an undercut just beginning to make a, a smug diatribe about Pepe the Frog and just getting sucker punched in the side of the head. I mean, if there's if there's a moment to punch somebody in the face, it's when they start talking about a cartoon frog, right? Yeah, it's like if... Because I like to think that the person who did that was extremely nonviolent, um, just a very altogether okay guy or girl. But, like, if you look to the side and you see, like, a famous white supremacist and you just see him mouth the words, Pepe the Frog, there's nothing. You can't stop it. It's it's any good, decent person's Manchurian candidate kill phrase. Yeah. Because the second that Pepe the Frog becomes something actually worth talking about is the second that, I don't know, democracy has died a little bit. And I, like I said, all three of these things, I'm really glad that all of them happened. Yeah, you know. And and it's, look, we're in a crazy time, but there are some good things kind of happening here and there. I I think that it's, everything's under... Everything's under a microscope right now. Everything's so much bigger and more important than it was a week ago or two months ago. Yeah, I, I was just trying to find a way to, to talk about how the one thing that Donald Trump has done so far that is good is pull us out of that horrible TPP thing or TTP. I don't even know the acronym, but that trade deal. Yeah, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Oh, TPP. Yeah, Tipipa. Tipipa. But that yeah. thing was uh that thing was just a, a a flaming bag of intellectual property copyright law garbage. I don't know. With how secretive it was, how it was sort of pitched by corporations and not politicians, everything about it was shady and like weird and it seemed like undermining the middle class even further and it's it's just a good idea to just not be a part of that oh i mean it was a it was a bill it was a it was a plan for corporations it wasn't a plan for people whatsoever it uh the the only things it did were pretty significantly infringe on our rights to consume things and uh, you know all i'm saying is any steps where we can take power away from corporations just a little bit those are steps that I'm going to be behind no matter who's behind the wheel. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm kind of pro-corporation. I think corporations are all right in that they are viable business entities. But we have, uh, we've been giving too much power to corporations for too long, and it's really scary. And it's nice to see some of that power not be given to them for once. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree. And you know... To all the weird, I don't know, people forgetting that Bernie was against the TPP, they can just shut up for like 10 minutes, right? And maybe, I, I, you know, not to get anyone's hopes up, but maybe there will be things that, that 
our president does that go against the narrative that he lives and breathes and will die with. I uh, I do believe that a significant portion of the changes he will make will go against the narrative that got him elected, but I think that's because he is an inscrutable, self-centered businessman. So, you know, any good things that come of it, sure, I'm on board for it. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I just, it really seems like, okay, so today we, we, we pulled out a TPP. That was great. And then on the same day, he, br- he brought back the, the global band on, on abortion. Yeah, the, uh, the abortion gag order. That's what it's called, the gag order. Mm-hmm. What yeah. that outlines, if any organization or charity mentions abortion or gives abortion services, they hereby are not allowed to receive state federal funding. Yeah, um, any any organization like Doctors Without Borders or anything that's operating to provide aid and relief in any other country, if they even mention abortion, no funding. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's so that's great because <laughs> I say great sarcastically. I want to clarify. Yeah, great what italics. I mean. Yeah, because it's, it's just like, oh yeah, he's not abortion's still technically legal, but it's just not being funded by the federal government in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, if if you put that right at the top, what's the tone at the top in terms of respect for, like, women and their choices? If that's one of the first things you do when you're in office, that's I, very scary. I mean, I'm not a judge of, of, of tone by any means, because I, I've never gotten my tone certification, but to me that sounds like a tone of disrespect. Yeah, um, weird that Donald Trump would have a, a tone of disrespect to a woman. Yeah, it's it's almost as though that, you know, the things that people have been saying about him this whole time has been true. But we don't want to get too political on this show. Yeah, no, the last thing we want to do is get political. Yeah, so maybe maybe we end cap, we, 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 maybe we're done with the politic talk for now, but I, I'm, you know... I feel like the show is going to get little weird dives into politics as things develop. I mean, everything's under a microscope right now, as I said, and when there's a really big political amoeba, we have to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's like falling off the sides of the the slide under the microscope. It's like falling onto the, the desk below the microscope and spilling over. It's such a big amoeba, you don't even need a microscope to see it. You just need a regular scope. Or a spyglass. Or a Spider-Man. Okay, we disconnected. We disconnected everything together again. I think just keep watching. I think that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, it's just a web of connections. Kind of like what a Spider-Man might do. Oh, you already did that. Mm, I think it was a good effort. I think it was a good effort. Yeah. Uh, what, what else do I have to talk about? Oh, uh, do we have time for for talking about Anna Karenina? Uh, Henry? What? There is always time to talk about Anna Karenina. Uh, so I don't know if you're aware of this, John. Uh, I have no idea where you're going with this. I don't know if you're aware that Anna Karenina is a Russian novel written by Leo Tolstoy. Well, I mean, I knew that part. I feel like... I feel like you're kind of underselling my knowledge of things by assuming I didn't know that part, but okay. I don't know if you knew that uh, 
There was a 2012 movie starring uh, Kira Knightley and I, Jude Law. I did not. And uh, the guy from Pride and Prejudice who played Mr. Darcy. Oh, Mr. Darcy. Yeah. So, so you know this. You probably if if you know Anna Karenina, you know nothing's going to surprise you about the plot of this movie that came out in 2012. Yeah. But the 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 staging of the movie, the 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 cinematics, cinematography, excuse me, and just the way that they did the movie is great. Is it? You want to know why, John? Uh, why? Because the entire movie is filmed on a stage. Oh, really? Give her, it's given that presentation of a stage play, and there are lots of long, unbroken cuts following characters moving around as like stagehands dressed like extras are moving the scenery about and like moving set pieces are like rising and falling and it's 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 really well done and very reminiscent of uh that guy who did birdman oh uh alejandro no 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 yeah alejandro oscar winner uh jones that sounds really cool it, it's it it was fantastic because it's just like everything feels I don't know on purpose. <laughs> I am a big fan of some stage plays, and you know, f- f- and a few scenes and a lot of scenes the stage play aspect kind of falls away, but then it's brought back at very dramatic, very like poignant moments. And it just makes everything feel so that much more dramatic and powerful. I, I really want to watch this now. Well, I've got good news for you, John. The the this version of Anna Karenina, made in 2012, starring Kira Knightley and Jude Law and Mister Darcy, is on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a you could watch it today. Uh, I might watch that tonight. Yeah, it, you know, it was the first time I ever saw Anna Karenina, and I think uh, I highly recommend it as a way to watch Anna Karenina. I'm uh, I'm pretty confused by you saying that you highly recommend it. What do you mean? Um, would you say that it's a buy it, rent it, or gotta have it? Oh, uh, I would say, oh, wait. <laughs> buy it, rent it, or... But it's on Netflix, Sean. <laughs> Buy it, rent it, or gotta have it. I would say rent it. Rent it from Netflix? Rent it from Netflix. It's something to experience. I'm not... Depending on your personal preference, it might be something worth owning. So you're going to give it a rent it with a soft buy it. Yeah, sure. That seems fair. I mean, you know... It's a movie, and you should watch it, and it's good because of the way they made the movie. There was a, there was a play I saw quite some time ago. It was a musical. I want to say it was called, like, Rudolph or something. About a reindeer? No, it was about, uh, God, I want to say, like, Austria, maybe? Austria? It was what are you referring to? It was about uh, Austro-Hungary before World War One, I, I think. I might be crazy, but it was a period drama musical that just had fantastic uh, stage work. 
Okay. Like the the entire stage, or at least in the recording I saw, let's say, I believe there was a scene where uh, where Prince Rudolph goes up a flight of stairs in a building to address a crowd. Yeah. And as he ascends the stairs, when he reaches the the balcony to address the crowd, the entire stage rotates to reveal this huge writhing crowd on the other side, and he's stepping through into the balcony to talk to them. That sounds really neat. It's it's very cool, and like sections of the stage would rotate to like spin characters without them moving, and it was very cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's always cool to see what you know they can do for a stage production that a movie can just do literally or CGI, you know? And that's something I think about sometimes is, uh, you know, when you see a stage production that is really mind-blowing, it's so influenced by filmic techniques yeah, that you can't help but wonder, you know, what were these technique techniques like before we had the vocabulary of film to be like, oh, that's cool how they're trying to like do a shot-reverse shot kind of thing with the audience's eyeline. So many of those, those, like, movie magic tricks, you know, like the original Star Wars trilogy, they kind of just, they fill the, the film with so much, it feels like literal magic, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I feel, I guess I pine a little bit for how that magic is kind of just replaced by pure spectacle and sort of modern movies. Like, if you think of any of the Marvel films or something like that. It, it's hard to go to a movie these days, or at least a movie that is like a, a big event without just having money rubbed in your eyes. Yeah, like, look, we could afford to CGI everything in this scene, so and it looks spectacular, and you're dazzled by it, but you're also reminded that, hey, this is literally, you know, tens of millions of dollars at stake here. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot of people uh, sitting at computers, which doesn't, like, take away from their work. It's just not magical the way that star wars is because i just went through and i i bought the original three star wars movies on dvd and blu-ray all right because that's what you do i mean yeah of course you mean you mean like the original unedited versions no they they have to be edited i don't think you can buy the unedited versions on blu-ray that's not that's not fun it's it's not, but just watching that original Star Wars movie, especially with someone who doesn't remember it particularly well, it's so fascinating and so magical. Yeah, I mean, there there are movies today that that sort of try to capture that spirit, like anything that's kind of stop motion. Of course, they they those movies kind of like tap into that, like uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Mm-hmm. And that well, when you watch the credits and you're watching like them put things together, that's pretty awesome. Kubo and the Two Strings was a fascinating movie for me to watch because uh, there were definite problems with some of its storytelling and some of its performances. But I was watching it's like this movie, this movie could be really terrible and it would still be perfect. Yeah, I mean the visuals are kind of like the best thing about the movie. Every every thing you see, it just is just kind of like it's magic. I don't know. I'm 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 failing with words right now, but you know what I mean. Just because everything has so much attention poured into it, you can't hate it. You can't dislike 
any part of that movie without feeling like kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, and of course the movie does have problems in its casting and stuff like that, but you kind of kind of forgive it because hey, it, look how much work they went. You know that you know that a uh, skeleton fight in that movie? Mhm. You know, not to give anything away, but there's a fight with a skeleton. That that skeleton thing was like 9 feet tall. Yeah, that's crazy. 16 feet tall. I was just I I've just been informed Oh, and my girlfriend. That's even crazier. Yeah, that's like it's huge. You know, that that's like that's that's five people. You know, average size people. Wait a second. Yeah, checks out. Yeah, a average size person's like what five foot five. Yeah. All right. Jamie gave me a look. Uh, I might be getting more corrections here, but uh, it, another stop motion. Another recent stop-motion movie that's worth checking out and uh, doesn't suffer from the same problems that Kubo and the Two Strings suffers from is called The Box Trolls. Oh, I heard that The Box Trolls was a good... Yeah, it's a very good movie, and it, it was a, such a good movie. Like, the, you know, it enthralled me with its story and such that I didn't even realize that it was stop-motion animated. Oh, that's gotta be a good one. Yeah, it was... There's something about, like, stop-motion animated movies where they stick in the credits, like, them kind of, like, moving the figurines still. Just like, hey, FYI. Same oh, it was the same company. I've just been informed. Oh, that man. Those two movies were done by the same company. Leica Films. Wait, what was that? Leica Films? Leica Films. Oh, yeah, Leica Film. You've heard of them? Yeah, they did, uh... Didn't they do Coraline? Maybe. I never saw Coraline. Um, I think you should ask the expert. Uh, yes, they did Coraline. Okay, good. So, yeah, um, those movies, they because everything is still done by hand, and because there's a downplay on, like, there's still computer graphics kind of used some, some places, but they downplay it all in favor of the, the stop-motion animation they still kind of capture that heart of doing things by hand and figuring out how to fake stuff, you know? And I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like, the the key to having something be, like, not noticed or successful, but the key to having something pure is to just put a ton of your, your soul into it. Yeah, it, it's like there's a weird, I guess, correlation between how much time it takes to get something done... And getting it done and like and having that feel like there's a lot of heart in it. And I have a certain fascination with uh just things that people have put a time of a ton of time and energy into, and sometimes those things, you know, they, they reach mass market appeal like Leica films or maybe Anomalisa, but I wouldn't say that that's mass market appeal. Yeah, I don't think Anomalisa kinda even made a blip on most people's radar. But you have to also account for the things that people put a ton of work into and they don't necessarily put the work in the right places and it doesn't end up reaching an audience whatsoever. Yeah, like the unsung, I don't know, not heroes, but unsung masterpieces that people don't notice for one reason or another. There's, uh, to bring it back to video games, our favorite topic, there is a few of those. There, There is a few of those? There are a couple. There is a... F- mm. 
<laughs> there are a couple of those. There are a few. There are a few. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> for example, I don't know, uh, the video games of a gentleman named M. Dickey. Who is M. Dickey? M. Dickey is, I believe, a part-time school teacher. I don't know much about his life. I did research at one point. But he, he makes video games for himself, basically, in, I think, Visual Basic. Wow, that that's not the best thing to use, isn't it? It is not, and he pours hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into making these, and he makes things, like, really uh, very complex and... What's the word? Kind intricate. Of com- yeah, intricate Baroque uh, wrestling games. He makes intricate Baroque wrestling games? Because they have a, a ton of, of systems and everything is interconnected and works together. And it's just one guy who made this thing. But you, of course, end up... It's it's just a tone thing. He he didn't approach it in the right way, I guess, because he did burn the calories to put the time in to make the thing, but it's also something that has a very problematic tone, but it also has a system where your wrestler can become dismembered down to individual joints on his hands. That that is very intricate, but what do you mean by it doesn't have the right tone? It's 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 written in a very tone deaf way where uh it's basically written as if like a thirteen or a fourteen year old wrote it. And sometimes other wrestlers will walk up to you and be like, oh, I challenge you to fight your next bout in a dress, little gay boy. I'm like, What is happening? Oh, so the, there's there's pr- problematic elements in like the story of this weird wrestling game. I need to show this game to you. We should stream it. We should stream it. That that sounds like a good idea, but we gotta figure that out. Oh, oh! I uh, I just realized that I'm the uh, the proud owner of a PlayStation Four. PlayStation Fours can stream by themselves. Yeah, you can just hit broadcast to Twitch, and I could just broadcast a video game. Is RM Dickies games on PlayStation Four? God no. I didn't think so. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll broadcast other things though. Like what, John? Like I don't know, sleeping dogs. Oh, but how how could you get me there too? Like to to give commentary and and talk. Well, Henry, you know you'd have to have another PS4 to be able to do that. Oh, I I can't. I literally cannot afford that. So that's look that, under that. your chair. It's just carpet. There's there's just carpet under my chair. Shit. Did you did you did you like make a wish and hope it came true? Like Yeah, I, I was I was just kinda hoping that this one time it would work out, but I guess not. No, no, and I don't think life works that way. You know? You don't you you gotta take action and and take steps towards you what you wanna accomplish in the world. You can't just, just blindly wish and hope things come true. Probabilistically, if I kept asking someone to do that forever, eventually it would have to be true. I guess you just found your uh, your life's work then, huh? Look under your chair. 
Oh, wait. You meant just asking me over and over again. I thought you were going to ask people to do that for me. Oh. Yeah, I guess that would make more sense probabilistically. Probabilistically speaking, yeah. Yeah, it would. Hmm. We get another airplane coming in. I don't know if it's registering. I hear it a little bit. But you're telling me that we can't just get through life by, like, blindly hoping? No, you can't blindly hope. This ain't no folk song. This ain't no... This ain't no country country folk song where you can blindly hope. So are you telling me you're you're telling me that instead of instead of letting people tell me what the truth is, I gotta find out what the truth is myself? I'm saying you should be inspired by dimwits like us who don't know nothing. And you should you should be inspired by us to look things up yourself, to fact check things, to to check the source of, of what's what's happening, and to find out the truth on your own. Yeah, find out the truth. Don't find out alternative facts. Alternative facts are just lies and dresses. Uh, they also sometimes wear a frock, and sometimes they wear men's clothes too. This isn't a gendered thing. But, oh, uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're just dressed up. Alternative facts are lies that are dressed up like facts, but they're not. Yeah, lies. Don't get gaslit. Yeah. Don't get gaslit. Don't get gaslighted. Light some gas. No, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> light a fire of knowledge. Do not light a fire of a Molotov cocktail. Not yet, anyway. We'll talk about that later. We will talk about that later. Much later. Much, much, much later. But uh, I think I think we... Is it, uh, am I thinking right? I mean, I, I think you're thinking right. We did do that thing where we tied it all together and then had a call to action. Yeah, we even had like a little moral at the end. Like we're, we're trying to do, I guess, more so of. I feel like if we didn't end it here, we'd be doing a disservice to us and our listeners. I think you're correct in thinking that. So, I, so let's end the podcast. Well, uh, if, uh, oh boy, it's been a while since I've done one of these. One week, geez. Oh man, that's like an eternity. Are you sure you remember how to give all of our social media plugs in one breath? Oh, uh, let me give it a try. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us with some truth and not alternative facts, you can reach out to us on the medium of choice for the peddlers of falsehoods, and that is twitter.com. You can find us at ZCPCWHJ, which stands for Zoos Can't Protect Cats, who helps jaguars. That's twitter.com that's a good one and uh, if you want to send us something that's longer than 140 characters long you can send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com send us a fact send it with tact but please don't send us to Iraq uh, you know I'm sure it's fine actually it's probably better now Maybe. What? Don't worry about it. So, if you also want to get in touch with us on Facebook, you can send us a poke, send us a like, and motherfuck, we forgot to talk about Star Wars.
Oh, wait, we did forget to talk about Star Wars. Holy oh, shit. Whoops. Uh, do it real, do it in like a minute. Um, it's called, okay, wait, I'm gonna have 30 seconds to talk, then you'll have 30 seconds to respond. Alright, sounds good. Debate style, I love it. Star Wars Episode 8 is directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh, it's called The Last Jedi. Go. Uh, and, uh, um, and that's all that we know right now, but I hear that it's going to be great. It's not going to be like any kind of Star Wars you've ever seen before in your life. And uh, it's going to – Luke's going to be in it. Go. Okay. Closing remarks. Uh, is The Last Jedi singular or plural? Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to say that it is singular. All right. And uh, the the votes are in. And I won. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I always like debating. And uh, I'm glad that we – Got it in at the very last second, even after all of the social media plugs. That, that's that's really progressive of us. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess now we just say goodbye. We've never done this. We've never interrupted the flow before. Ah, uh, well, there's always a first time for everything. You're right. There is always a first time for everything, such as a first time for you to like, comment, and subscribe on our SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever. We are, God, I just need more, need more social media. I mean, we could create more, look, just create more accounts and we'll, we'll keep plugging them. Sound good? Yeah, we're going to have an Instagram podcast. Helgs, yeah. Helgs, yeah, indeed. All right. And, uh, from all of us here in the zero credits, uh, two studios, cause we're not in the same room, we wish you a merry January. Merry January. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. You can leave now. Zero credits, Vampire Hunter.